are going to get worse before they get better. Got down on his knees and gave his life to Christ. Because Americans are dreamers too. You're not in any moral position to tell anybody how corrupt they are. You should be quiet. Why? Why are our black sons and daughters being treated so badly? This is Profane Faith, a podcast that engages faith on the margins. Faith that has been labeled profane, nonconformist, and or out there. We'll be exploring the intersections of the sacred, secular, and profane to find God. I'm your host, your boy, Daniel White Hodge. Hey y'all, how y'all doing? How y'all doing? Man, welcome back to uh, Profane Faith. As always, this is your boy, Dan White Hodge. And man, this week y'all... I ain't feeling too good. <laughs> uh, I have, I rarely get sick and it's just a stark reminder that I am not a immune to anything. And uh, I guess finally hanging around a bunch of folks who are sick, uh, I hate students, um, finally caught up with me or something. I don't know. I've had the flu uh, this week and um, man, I've just been just out and Oh man, I hate it. I hate it. But who does? Who does? Who likes, you know, uh, being sick, right? Who likes being, (laughs) who likes being, you know, out with a headache and body aches and chills and all that stuff, man. That's, that stuff's yeah. (laughs) Stuff's no joke. Uh, nevertheless, nevertheless, I, the show must go on, right? (laughs) So, um, I definitely wanted to get this, you know, this, this, this episode out, uh, this week and, um, you know, this little introduction will just be, you know, shorter than it normally is. Um, but, uh, nevertheless, like I said, the show must go on and here we are. So hopefully your, your week is a uh, better than mine and, and hopefully soon mine will actually become uh, better itself. So I'll spare you the, the, I promise not to get you sick. I'll spare you my coughing and, uh, all the phlegm and all that flim flam crazy stuff. Right. Um, well this week, uh, my goodness. Um, I, I just found out, uh, James Cone passed away. Um, that's, that is, that is, that's a major loss. That is a major loss. Um, for those of you who don't know who James Cone is, uh, he's the founding, uh, he's really the founding theologian for black theology, black power, black liberation theology. Um, I came to know Cone's work, uh, when I was at Fuller and, uh, began to unpack that a little bit more. I had the fortunate privilege of meeting Dr. Cone, uh, several times, of course, at my favorite place, AAR, American Academy of Religion. And, you know, uh, it's, it, it's, it's a trip, you know, folks, you know, been around, I mean, you know, the brother's been around for a long time and, you know, death is just a cycle of life. Um, but man, at such a time as this, his work is phenomenal. His work is, his legacy is phenomenal. If you haven't ever read any of his stuff, uh, it's now, now's the best time to just go out and get it. I mean, they're in libraries. Um, he's been known widely throughout. He's been studied. I mean, his impact is far and great. Um, I was privileged that he came to one of my sessions one time when I was presenting and had some great feedback and I was privileged enough uh, to sit in a couple of classes of his, um, and I, he's just amazing. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's definitely a, a big loss. Rest in power, Dr. Cohn, rest in power. Uh, your legacy will continue. 
Um, and uh, that was that was big. Like I said, I think I just got the news today uh, here. And um, what did we got at, at April Saturday, April twenty eighth? And so I know I'm dating myself here, but I think it's a it's a date to remember. It's a date to remember uh, because of who Dr. Cone was, what his work has done, the the thousands. Uh, if we're you know if we're if we're generous, uh, maybe you know maybe even the millions uh, who have been influenced by his work, his legacy, the the strides that he made uh, moving forward in regards to liberation. I mean. You know, he talks about, you know, any Christian theology that doesn't look at, you know, uh, freeing folks from oppression uh, is not a Christian theology at all. Right. Um, I mean, he and he was writing stuff back when there was no podcast. There were no Twitters. There were no nothing. There were no hashtags. No nothing. I mean, he was he was writing stuff at a time when black black people in general were not considered that smart to begin with i mean we're, we've never necessarily been considered smart to begin with um but particularly during the 70s late 60s and early 70s when he was writing this 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 is this was like groundbreaking work this there was there were no you know there were there were no other supports it's like to create something and to have such an impact um that's phenomenal and i thank god i thank god for his legacy his work um and it's it's big loss. He definitely influenced me. Uh, definitely helped in my own understanding of theology. He is, he has saved my faith uh, uh, many a times. When it's like, man, I'm like, man, I'm ready to walk out the door on Christianity. And it's like, no, wait a minute. Let me take another look at this. Let me, you know, get in, get in, and see this from a different uh, perspective. And. I thank I thank God for that. I thank God for that. I thank God for um, his, his, like I said, his work and just what he is, what he has stood for, and uh, what he has meant uh, for so many of us, for so many of us, uh, black, white, Asian, um, Pacific Islander. I mean, I've I've known a lot of folks who have built a lot of their own uh, theological constructs around what uh, Cone has uh, developed, and so again, huge loss, huge loss. And uh, that was, like I said, I was just literally just going through my my uh, timeline and I saw that and I was like, oh, my gosh, uh, I know I didn't see him this last year. They are um, usually he's usually there every year. Um, and something told me something I kind of felt funny. It was kind of like, I wonder, I wonder how he's doing health wise. You know, it's like, you know, some of these elders, I mean, you know, it's like and again, we know they got to pass on. I know at some point my life will end and I will pass on. Um you know, and I can only hope, you know, that I've had a quarter of the impact that uh, Dr. Cohn has had um, on a lot of people. And so, again, if you haven't seen him or if you haven't read his work, you haven't engaged with him, um, I highly recommend that you do. Um, this week, speaking of great minds, um, I had a conversation with uh, Brother Justin McRoberts. Uh, Brother Justin is uh, he lives out in the Bay Area. He's a great thinker. He had me on his podcast. Um, oh, my gosh. Maybe about a year ago. And, uh, you know, we connected via, you know, Twitter and, you know, the great space of social media. And uh, I was like, I think this would be a great follow up conversation um, from this last week. Daniel Camacho's uh, you know, podcast was great. We, if you haven't listened to it, this is your first time to Profane Faith. Welcome. But if you haven't listened, you can go back and check it out, man. We had a great conversation, Daniel and I, on uh, racial reconciliation, really the BS of racial reconciliation, um, and, you know, where uh, we have kind of gone wrong with those. So I thought this was a great follow-up conversation to that conversation, and so I wanted to have Justin on. We covered the gamut. It's hard to kind of even nail down 
what we, you know, a specific thing. We covered everything from prayer to race to evangelicalism uh, to being a white cisgendered male living in the Bay Area. Um, this uh, it was it was it was a great conversation, and I think it's interesting because I think I want to continue to have conversations with our with our white brothers and sisters, you know, in regards to you know where do we find ourselves right now? Um, you know, every day is something newer and crazier, you know, and I do I do fear for I do fear for where we're headed as a country, you know, uh, I do fear for where we're headed in general, what will the future look like? And so, um, I am, you know, I'm, I'm constantly thinking through those things and I thought Justin was a great person to have on, uh, not necessarily a counter to what Daniel was saying last week. So let me just make that clear. There's no counter to that, but it was a great follow-up conversation to, uh, to what Daniel and I had. So again, if you haven't heard Daniel and I's conversation from last week, go for it. It's uh, like I said, why not podcast, uh, profane faith on iTunes, all those great things. We're on Stitcher. We're on Google, all those places. And so again, if this is your first time. Welcome. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, but Justin, uh, is an author. He's a speaker, retreat leader and musician. Uh, he lives in uh, out in Oakland, San Francisco Bay area. We just found out that, uh, both of us graduated high school at the same, at the, in the same year, man, 19 class of 92 coming through in 92. So, uh, we're, uh, we're the same age and, um, it was just a great conversation. Like I said, we just covered the gamut. And like I said, it's a good, uh, good follow-up. And, uh, especially with me being sick, I was like, man, this is, this is a great conversation to have. So, Without any further ado, and I'll post all of his information in the show notes, as always, uh, check out Brother Justin and I's conversation, and hopefully by next week, I will be uh, feeling better. And once again, rest in peace, James Cone. Again, if you haven't um, if you haven't ever read any of his stuff, I'll post a couple of his uh, books in the show notes as well. Uh, you can click on those, check them out. Uh, amazing, amazing person, amazing thinker, uh, Dr. James Cone. We, uh, we've had a huge loss uh, with him passing on. Uh, but, uh, his legacy will continue. His legacy will continue. All right. Here's just a nice conversation. Yeah, I'm ready to roll, man. Excellent, man. Well, this is, this is good, man. I'm glad you, uh, you reached out. This is, this is, this is fun. You had me on yours and then I get to get you on mine, man. This is awesome. Yeah. Tradesies, man. We trade. <laughs> that's right. That's right. All right. Well, shoot, Justin, welcome to the show. Welcome to Profane Faith. <laughs> Thanks for having me here, man. Man, it's great, man. I'm glad we finally get a chance to uh, to chat here. Um, yeah. For those of those of the, you know out in podcast land who don't know you, man, who who is you? What you do? And uh, you know what's been your faith journey? Uh, what has gotten you from your you know from birth to here? <laughs> oh yeah. Well, sense. so I uh, I live in the East San Francisco Bay Area. I live in a town called Martinez, which nice. is about 25, 30 minutes inland. Uh, and just north of Oakland. I was born in Oakland, raised uh, here in the San Francisco Bay Area, uh, and I write books. Um, I travel and speak. I do some retreat leading, uh, a lot of kind of communication around spiritual practice, spiritual discipline, uh, previous to being um, kind of leaning more towards being an author and a retreat leader and a speaker. I did a lot of music, kind of traditional folk singer, songwriter, storyteller. Nice. Um that's sort of up, up to date. I, you know, from the standpoint of a faith journey, I, you know, I, I, I started a journey in faith as a religious person as a, as a young life kid. So I had a young oh, life nice. leader. 
Nice. Uh, which was a pretty cool way to come in for me because that meant I didn't have, and this will probably come up a few times, I didn't have any real um, specific or particular institutional ties, which was always like my primary hang up with religion was, you know, the way it was manifest institutionally. And so to be able to come in through a doorway that was a little bit more relational, a little bit more communal, and then be able to approach, to approach the institutional aspects of, of religious practice was helpful. Man. Yeah. And what I mean, and what would mean, because I, I was on the Young Life staff for actually a long time, man, and in, uh, in the 90s, uh, back in the Bay Area, matter of fact, um, what uh, what was your experience like, man? I'd be curious. You no, know, honestly, like the the fact that you know the conversations I was having with this guy were um, they were they were couched in my everyday experience. Yeah. So my my perception of or my experience of religion always had to do with like I'm over here. I got I've got this stuff going on. This is my life, and then over there is like church stuff, and I've got to cross the street and catch a bus and then find the L train and they get off the L train and walk a few blocks and then ask some people how to get to the church. And then I could have a conversation that had to do with God and stuff. Right. Whereas with Dave, with the young life leader, the conversation around religion, around faith, around God, the divine, it was couched in the life I was already living. I didn't have to cross the street and have to find a bus or the L train. I didn't go anywhere. It's like, Oh, this is happening in around me now, which that was my primary, like, primary experience of, uh, of young life. Mm-hmm. 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 Man, that's, um, that man, that's, that's interesting. Now, and you, and you said you grew up in and around the Bay area then, correct? I did. Okay. So, uh, born in Oakland, grew up in a town called Concord. No, oh yeah, man. I, I know that area. Well, you know, Concord, man. I do, man. I do. I do. We used to, uh, yeah, we used to go up there. I think, uh, my high school used to play them back in the day. I, I, I believe Where'd you go to high school? I went to a seaside high since like oh, central yeah, coast. Yeah. And whatnot, man. So, um, yeah, man, that's a trip, man. Small world. It's small, small world. So, man, what are some of the what are some of the music uh, you're working on, man? What are what are some what are some tracks? What are some aspects? You know, I mean, in other words, I mean, what's what's kind of like the, some of the message? I mean, what can I'm assuming people can connect with some deepness that's going on through there. Correct. Yeah, well, so I'm not doing a ton of music now. I'm, I'm putting together edits for a, a book on the practice of prayer right now that'll be released through uh, Waterbrook Multnomah um, early next year. I think it'll be January is when the when the release the, the book release is. Nice. And it's a book around the kind of little a little bit of freedom around the practice of prayer. Uh, we're in our second round of edits right now. Okay. Uh, so that's where the that's where the goodness is right now. Music has has not been a major part of my life for a little while. It's still a thing. It's just not a big thing. Yeah. No, man. I know. I mean, I know. I had to put my music stuff on the background as I was, you know, walking the halls of academia. And I always told mm-hmm. myself, once I get tenured, I am going to build my studio again. And so that uh, that happens. So I'm looking forward to this summer to actually getting back in and, and producing. Yeah. It's a whole new world. Whole new world, man. I was it out. is. And then once it's in you, I mean, that's the thing about music. I mean, like, it's if it's in you, you're going to come back around to it. It's just, it's more so like the the, the, the part of that has to do with, like, recording it and making it available. Like the, the work of the art. Uh, I, I don't have as much time for it, especially because in this whole new world, there's not a lot of money in the making and selling of music. <laughs> And yeah. so uh, it's it's taken a pretty significant backseat. I'm also better at other things, and that's part of growing up. Like, 
I loved playing music. I enjoyed it. I was decent at it. I'm much better at other stuff. Okay. And I and I'm I'm leaning harder into the stuff I'm better at. Right, 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 right. Yeah, man. And I'm curious though. Then about this book. I mean, you've got it, and you said your second round of edits. I know, edits yeah. really well, man. You said it's on prayer. What uh, what's the what's the premise then of what you got coming? The premise man? of the book is that we pray because we're human and not because we're religious. That the that. Like the, there is a primal, instinctual, root desire to connect with the divine. Okay. And and the ways in which we go about that, institutionally, religiously, those are those are things that are trained and and can be helpful. Tradition is helpful. It's just not primary. That what is primary is is this designed need propensity. The sense that uh, the desire for meaning and 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 kind of a broader sense of connection that that's the essence of prayer, hmm. uh, and we tend to confuse the two because we try to, because we want to do it well, right? Like because yeah. it's an important thing, you don't want to do an important thing poorly. And so, unfortunately, the way we get religiously trained is that there's a right way to do everything, um, and <laughs> yes. and there isn't a right way to do everything. There are better and lesser ways once you have some practice in you. But we wanted to write a book, uh, and I, did the co-authors with the one of my name, Scott Erickson, who's an illustrator. We wanted to put some together that gave people not like a low rung in terms of like, hey, this is real simple, but like, hey, this is for you. Like, this is actually for you, and there's room for you in this world. Yeah. Man, I mean, well, I mean, and I'll confess, man, I am, uh, I'm not a prayer warrior. I, <laughs> I'll be honest. No, and, and well, I mean, you know, and it's interesting because it's like, I, I have gotten to a place where at least I'm able to say, if I'm going to pray for you, I'll say, I'll say that. It used to be, you know, just Christian cliche to be like, oh, yeah. I'm praying for you. And then, you know, yeah. you didn't think nice, nothing about it. So now either if I don't say it, then I really don't mean it. Like, I'm, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> not going to say anything, but if I do right. say it, I want to make that effort. I've, I've at least promised myself that. Like, if I say it and I put it out there, like, I need to go and, you know, and, and actually make that come through, man. What are, yeah. I mean, as you're looking at this and as you're, you're saying, I mean, prayer is, is, is fascinating to me. I, I had a, yeah. uh, when I was at Fuller, you know, there were a couple of uh, different, you know, quarter weeks on prayer and looking at that. How do you, well, you know, what are some different, you know, variations, and particularly variations of prayer, particularly in this era that we find ourselves in, which yeah. is really the next question I wanted to bring up in yeah. regards to this. Well, so part of what we're doing is is we're not putting together like a like a, a a like a prayer guide or a devotional where you know you read through the page and then you're done. You kind of some, come to some conclusion to some conclusions. It's the when you crack the book open, you'll have a, a like a I don't know like a seventeen eighteen word prayer. That's yeah. it. It's one, yeah. and then on the opposite page. Uh, is this meditative image that has some correlative relationship with the prayer. And that's it. So on that particular day, it'll say something like, uh, may love be stronger in me than the fear of the pain uh, that comes uh, with love. In other words, uh, well, yeah, so that's a, that's a prayer. It's like, you know, may, uh, you know may, yeah, may love be stronger in me than fear yeah. is like, is a, that's enough of a prayer. And the, the image that relates to it is sitting across the page from it. The idea there is like, hey, I don't want to tell you what to say per se. I want to stir something in you mm -hmm. and let that let those words get inside your guts and stir up what's actually happening in you. So maybe to be more poetic about this, the book is a tool. Uh, the book is uh, it's an excavation tool. The content is what's happening in the souls of the reader. 
Nice. And that the hope is instead of me injecting my perception, my words, you know, Scott's images into your soul, like here's the shape, get it inside you. Here's the shape, mold yourself around this. No, here's a tool, get inside your own life, your own soul and find out what's actually there. Because if I, if that's not the assumption, like if I, if I'm under the assumption that somehow I've got to kickstart something in someone else's soul in order right. to believe that like God is up to something or the divine is on the move or right. what have you. Well, that's a, that's a pretty crap view of like God or the divine. Like if I've got to kickstart this thing, if it's dependent on me yeah. and my wisdom and poetry to actually make it work. Well, that's a, that's a pretty weak religion. Instead, right. we want to assume the like redemptive ongoing activity of the divine in the hearts, souls, minds, lives, bank accounts, households of every human on the planet. And therefore, we're going to try to do what we can to provide tools that allow folks to get in on the work that's already happened. Yeah, man, I love that. That's good. I mean, because again, I mean, you said it. I mean, I think we have been. I mean, I know I'm still on doing years of doing it right. You know, you got to do yeah. it this way. And I think that's, you know, been kind of part of even my, if I'm honest, I mean, part of my holdup, like, oh man, I'm not a prayer warrior. Cause I don't pray like this. You know what I'm saying? That's exactly right. And that's what <laughs> happens, right? It's like, I don't pray. Well, like you, like you were just saying like, Hey, someone says, someone talked to what's going on in their life and you, you don't say, Hey, I'll pray for you. And what you mean by that, I think is if I think when I say it, when I used to say it, when I would say, Hey, I'll pray for you. What that means is I'm going to stop at some point and I've got a certain kind of like phrase or phraseology yeah. Yeah. is a certain set of words, a certain posture, certain mindset that I have to put myself in and that I've got to get there and do that thing. Right. And I don't, I don't have the time, the space and the words and the energy to do that particular thing. Right. That's the way we particularize religious practice that mm. like, hey, I'll pray for you. Well, you could mean all kinds of stuff. I mean, yes. it could be literally simple to turn around and saying like, you hear, you know, Daniel White Hodge says, hey, I'm sick today. Hey, bro, I pray for you. And in a minute, like I'll just turn or not turn and in my mind, just say your name, Daniel. Yes. Done. <laughs> Check. Yeah. Right. Like, or you just in my mind and I'm thinking about you or I mean, like. So we get hung up on the particulars. We get yes. hung up on, on, on the way I tend to talk about it when we're doing the, the live presentation is we tend to confuse the mechanics with the essence. Oh, that's good. That'll the mechanics of prayer, the how-to, and then the essence of prayer, that it's something that you just desire to, want to, need to do. Man. Well, I mean, I mean, man, that, that's that's so deep. I mean, and that's and I think part of it, I mean, as you're, as, as you're talking, I'm, I'm listening to this and I'm like, man, that's so freeing. Right. Yeah. I mean, and I think that's part of what the gospel does. Right. It frees shit up. <laughs> I mean, that's you right. know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. and it's like it um, I'm hearing you and I'm like, oh, yeah. Because, again, as in the African-American church tradition, I mean, you already know, brother, you know, it's like we there's some people who just they pray, you know, what I'm saying? Yep. <laughs> it's just your eyes get tired and, or you fall asleep. <laughs> and, you know, and I was just I remember growing up and I was like, man, I don't it goes have, on for a bit. Exactly. And I don't have yeah. a thesaurus or a dictionary on me, man. It's like some of these cats is like spitting rhymes in their in their prayer, man. So this is. Again, I love that. I love that, man. We're yeah. going to have to. I mean, when you got to let me know when this thing drops, we'll have to get you back on the show and really we'll pimp that thing out, man. Yeah, man, we'll do that. Yeah, and again, the confusion—the confusion between mechanics and 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 essence—it's a thing that happens in any important area of life. Because if I want, if a thing's important, I want to do it well. Yeah. And doing it, and we tend to confuse doing it well with doing it a particular way, exactly. which has to do with our cultural alignments. Yeah. That like 
know, white Protestant church prayer looks a particular way. So that's what doing it right looks like. Right, right. Whereas, like you're just saying, like ex- the you know, experiences in 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 more uh, charismatic black settings look differently, and that's what doing it right looks like. And we're not saying any of that is wrong. We're also we're also just saying like, hey, none of that is particularly right. Like that, mm. you can do that. Mm. And if that if that clicks with you, then do that. But if that doesn't click with you, let's not pretend like that means there's something wrong with your soul. Wow. Like is, which is the thing that happens in me, right? Yes. And, I, and it happens for a lot of us. Like if I'm, if I show up to the church service, this is, I mean, talk about, you know, like I do, because you work with young adults, uh, like the thing happening with so many young adults <laughs> now right. is there's a particular way that, 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 uh, that worship, prayer, community, that we, the uh, way we do church. And it was working for a stretch. Yeah. Where it was emotive, it was cathartic, it was loud, and more and more folks are showing up and being like, I just, it doesn't rhyme with me. Yeah. And because we've conflated and confused the mechanics of a religious life mm. with, the, with, with the essence of religious life, then you have folks walking out of these church services feeling like, if I, if I don't rhyme with the Hillsong Jam, <laughs> and, and, I'm not, and, I, and I'm not like really inspired to go and, you know, preach the gospel to my neighbor uh, in this particular way. And if, if, I, if I don't rhyme with the culture, then either there's something wrong with my soul or this whole thing isn't true. Right, right, right. And we, we, we like, we, I want to confess to like, hey, we build cultures. Mm-hmm. These cultures have a shelf life. <laughs> like shit dies. Yeah, yeah. And, and then when that shit dies, it doesn't mean that like your faith has to as well. Yeah. Like mold it, change it. Like you, if you don't act and live uh, in your teens, like you do in your twenties, in your twenties, like you do in your thirties, in your thirties, like you do in your forties. Mm-hmm. So your soul grows and shapes differently according to the way you're living. So why we try to do prayer, church, worship, singing, community the same way for forty years of our lives, and then wonder why we're not connecting? We got to let go of the particulars. Man, man, that is powerful, brother. I mean, that's a powerful word. I mean, because again, the freeing of that. I mean, and just in being able to, you know, ultimately connect with the essence of what prayer really is. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, the historical part of it, I mean, the the uh, the liturgical part of it. And, of course, you know, obviously culture, you know, puts a part of that, but it's like taking, deconstructing what that what that looks like, man. Yes. Um, yeah. That's beautiful, man. Yeah, that's, Thanks, that, that's right on. I'm going to get that. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, and, and so I'm just curious, man, in this, in this crazy time that we find ourselves in, man, what... How are you faring, man? As a as as a a faith thinker, a Christian thinker, a white male, somebody who's mm. growing up in the Bay Area, which is you know one of the, one of the most expensive places in the in the country, and yeah. all, although Chicago's quickly quickly coming around to you're that, right behind. I know you, you ain't lying, man. So no. I'm just curious, man. Like how how is your how's your faith holding up, man? Where, where what what's what's happening? Uh, it's hold, it's holding up. I, I don't know how that's happening, to be honest with you. Uh, uh, it's uh, and without putting too fine a point on it, and this is not a complaint. I mean, being right now uh, in a forty-four-year-old white straight Protestant male, yeah, uh, like the prescription for living well right now has way more to do with being quiet and acting less and moving less. Uh, doing a lot of listening. Uh, I just, it, it feels like, and again, it's not a complaint. I'm not bitching about it. I'm saying like, it feels like, 
in so many aspects and areas of my life, vocationally mm-hmm. and, and interrelationally, communally, the more I move, like the more shit breaks. Mm. And I and I'm I need to do a better job of slowing down, paying attention, listening. I don't want to be complicit in in uh, in brokennesses that I know are there, and also don't want to pretend like I'm wise enough to my cultural moment that I can act. Uh, you know, quote unquote, freely, um, without stepping on toes, without like making a mess of things. So, you know, how is my faith holding up? It's holding me up. If it's, if mm. there's something happening, it's like, hold up, pay attention, listen, like, don't, yeah. don't pretend you got wisdom for this. Cause I don't really have wisdom for this. I'm listening as best I can. And I'm just speaking back as much as I can speak back with some kind of authority or wisdom. And even at that, like, as your listeners are finding out, I just talk too damn much. <laughs> so there's a lot, there's a lot of that practice for me. So what it, my faith journey right now has a lot to do with slowing down, if not just flat out stopping, doing a lot more listening, a lot less uh, projection, talking, action. Yeah. Yeah, well, and I'd be curious to know, man. I mean, you know, so, you know, I've, I, you know, we've been talking a lot, you know, at least in this this second season just about, you know, constructs of white Christianity, uh, decolonizing mm-hmm. minds and all that stuff, man. How how do you engage with that, man? I'd be curious just to hear, you know, uh, your perspective. You know, white man, I think we're the same age, man. I'm 44. Did you graduate in 92? I did. Oh, yeah. brother, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> See, man, I'm sure we even cross paths up in the Bay Area, it's, man. It's very likely. It's very likely. I had family in uh, Castor Valley in Hayward. So, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Know, at any rate. Yeah, right on the street. <laughs> that's so, right. Uh as a member of a, as a member of a congregation, a leader in a congregation, um, it looks a lot like loss right now. Like, like, and, and not, and and not feeling like I can control it. Like it looks like it's like, it looks like loss. It looks like losing power that, that, um, we should have given up. Okay. Cause that's how, that's the movement of the spirit, right? Is like, I'm going to, I'm going to take these things out of your hands you can release them or you can lose them in a way that's going to be more painful. Mm. So you can, you can release this to me. Uh, you can, you, you can let this become like kind of let this go in, in the flow and the river of the divine, the way the spirit is moving. Or at some point, if you're walking upstream and holding on as tight as you want to hold on at some point, it's just going to get ripped out of your hands. Wow. And so my, a lot of my experience again, like from, from a institutional standpoint is it's a lot of loss. Mm. Right now, you know, we haven't wanted to or known how to uh, be accountable yeah. to our colonial orientation. Uh, we haven't, like, we have, don't even recognize that it's happening. I haven't, you know, <clears throat> Dominique Gillard does a great job of, of approaching this in, uh, in his uh, more recent book uh, about uh, mass incarceration. We, we talked about the role in relationship, uh, the role of the church in relationship to mass incarceration. Right. And there's, there's just, Hey, this, it's a matter of like, Hey, these are, this is the way culture is moving. And the fact that you are not moving that way, you're going to pay a price at some point. Mm. This Mm. is the way. And and when culture moves, what we've gotten to as white evangelical, powerful, wealthy uh, Christians is we bought the countercultural thing like real hard because it's easy to it's easy to sell that. Yeah. 
So, so that any cultural movement we recognize, any cultural movement that doesn't emanate from a Sunday morning between 10.30 and noon, we recognize as, uh, as secular, as opposed mm. to paying attention to the movement of culture and asking the question like, what is the spirit doing there? So when women are standing up on stages all over America saying it's not okay for us to be treated the way we're treated wow. in, yeah. in movies, uh, on stage and on television, do we recognize in that? the movement of the spirit do we or do we think of that as feminism and liberalism and a threat to male white powerful uh christian america whoa we bought we bought the the countercultural thing so hard we blinded ourselves we became embattled right we became it became like us against we're gonna yeah. go get it we're gonna go conquer colonialism right yeah so there it is it's like i'm not gonna follow no i'm gonna lead i'm gonna go make it happen and so in order to do that i've got to conquer well, you have to conquer you have to conquer liberalism you have to conquer socialism you have to yes. conquer feminism you yes. have to conquer this and that and the other as opposed to the movement of the spirit which is like i'm in feminism i am in black lives matter i am i'm in these places and you need to start asking about what I'm up to in these places instead of warring against me in the cultural movements around you. Wow. That's, that's deep, man. What's up? Well, let me back up and ask you this, man, when, as, as you've come through and, you know, so now that I know we the same age, we've had some of the, probably the same momentums, you know, we probably mm -hmm. grew up with, you know, uh, uh, dialing internet and, uh, you know, America <laughs> online and all that, yep. you know, 56 kilobyte, you know, modems yep. that we had to install. So when was the moment that you really were, you began this kind of, I mean, I always say the word woke, but, you know, feel free to use anything else. But just that, well, really, this, you know, as, as, as um, you know, Zulu and, and Five Percenters call this, and, and also some other Christians as well, this third eye, right? This third eye yeah, yeah. Of, of, of consciousness and, and, and awakening. What, what, did that, what does that process look like for you? Um, so... Uh, there are roots of it in <clears throat> like my, in like early years where my, um, both my parents grew up in, in, in various forms of poverty and they had, had different, uh, very different reactions to it. And really specifically my mom's take, uh, as kind of the more redemptive take, my father's take as the, as, as the, as the kind of the, the path towards death. Mm. Uh, I watched, uh, and I, 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 I recognize it now. I watched the, the way power, uh, privilege, if they go unrecognized as power and privilege, become monsters in your soul and they, 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 they demonize mm. and they'll just steal life from you. So you wow. can either discipline yourself against those things the way my mother did in terms of generosity and graciousness, or you can steal yourself against those things like my father did, and you will lose that battle, which he did. And that was that story like kind of stuck in my soul. So I lost my father to mm. depression and suicide when I was in my early twenties, oh, and sorry. it had everything. It, it had everything to do with him again buying that. Like he had power, he had privilege. He didn't recognize them as power and privilege. Uh, and because he didn't recognize them, they became those demons in him and they stole his life. Mm. Well, I, I, I didn't want to live into that. So I started paying attention then to like, how, like not just the way my mother lived her life, but like, okay, if I don't want that, because that's what was being sold me, because I'm my father's son. If what's being sold me is power and privilege, like where do I go? How do I live that doesn't lead me down that path? 
Right. So paying attention to paying, you know, paying attention to, uh, to, to more mystic, uh, religious voices as opposed to the more kind of formulaic religious voices was, was a key part of it. And then running into over the course of time, folks who are working with the poor. So where there, where is there not power and privilege mm. and what's happening over there? What's it look like to live without power as I recognize power? What's it look like to live without privilege the way I recognize privilege? And is there life over there? And if there is, like, how, how do I participate? How do I get it? So, uh, so paying attention to, you know, local leaders doing work in the Monument Corridor here in Concord or even down the line and running into folks like Michael McBride and the way he lives and leads in Oakland and Berkeley, California, like, okay, well, that's a – this is the way to live uh, more redemptively. So more redemptively, or the way you talk about to, to, to become woke or to develop that third eye. Like, yeah, like I, I, I wanted that and not, I, uh, I'll say it this way, not because I thought, hey, that's right. And I've got to go get that right. But in all honesty, it's like, I don't want what was being sold to me because it killed my dad. Wow. Wow. That's deep, man. That's deep. Um. Uh, well, so, so along those ways, man, I mean, are there any thinkers, any, uh, you know, that you've come across that may have just been like, man, OK, this is this is great. I know you mentioned Dominic Gilliard. I just had him on the show and, and, and whatnot. And, and um, you know, Michael McBride, uh, any other uh, folks that, you know, you've uh, just been like, oh, wow. OK, this is this is, you know, really shaped my own ideological worldview perspective. Yeah, well, paying attention to those two gentlemen real specifically because they're both local to me, um, which has also been really important is like, you know, what's it actually look like on the ground as opposed to allowing those things to be just be conceptual. Uh, but, you know, you know, theological thinkers like Walter Brueggemann, mm-hmm. uh, who, who lean really hard into the prophetic, uh, or, you know, you know uh, uh, Ephraim Smith, another yeah. uh, another covenanter from from out this way, and the way he pays attention to culture through the lens uh, of the local church. Those are those are some voices that have been pretty significant in, in developing this in a practical way. Man, that's uh, no, that's that's interesting. I mean, as you're talking, I think about. Um, so one of the television shows I loved, um, mainly because I, I loved the, the producer, oh, I'm trying to think of his name now, um, but it was all in the family. Um, I want to say Neil Murray, but I don't think it's, that's not Neil Murray, but it was, um, that's another, that's another, uh, I think it's sociologist, but any, anyway, yeah. I mean, the point being is, is that, you know, this was kind of the, uh, the age of, uh, what they called, you know, relevant television. I mean, and I just remember, you know, Archie Bunker being there in that chair. And I feel like a lot of those same things are present today, right? It's like, sure, we may not have the draft, but we have this ongoing war, you know, in the Middle East. And so we're going to shoot missiles to Syria or we're going to try to blow somebody up over here. or We're going to drop the, what is it, the mother of all bombs on, on mm-hmm. somebody. And um, I'm curious, man, how do you, how do you connect with those or do you not connect with folks that, you know, just kind of have that Archie Bunker mentality? I mean, it's just old. And, and, and I used to think I used to, my stereotype was like, oh, these are old folks and, mm-hmm. you know, people 50 and beyond. But now, I'm, you know, it's like shooting the college classrooms. I got 20 some mm-hmm. year olds who, you know, will say I'm not sure slavery will slay. Well, not, not even I'm not sure. They're convinced that slavery was not a, a big a deal as we as African-Americans right, right. make it into be. And so. What what does that look like, man? Because uh, I'm 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 a little confounded on on that. Yeah. <laughs> that area. yeah. Well, I have the I have the strange and sad privilege of being uh of being a bridge builder to uh, mm. best I can be, and that's not always the 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 role I want to play, or is it not always is it the role that's appropriate? But it's but when the time comes, it's the thing I'm best at. 
Yeah. And so like when we talk about Archie Bunker, uh, maybe this is soft in me. I don't think so. I think there's something of, of divine love in my heart when I say this, that like, I want to take Archie with me. Like I want to get him across mm. the, right. So, uh, <laughs> I want to take people with me if I, if I can. Okay. Uh, so I, you know, I don't look like a radical and I, I like, I'm, I'm, I'm more palatable because I am 44 white straight male. Hmm. So I, I, I can get into some of those spaces where that stuff is where, you know, misogyny, racism, nationalism are, you know, daily diet uh, and be received. Uh, and uh, this will come off a little funky, but like, and be a little sneaky with the gospel I'm presenting and yeah. says, Hey, I can give you enough of this that you're going to be a little bit uncomfortable, but you're going to feel like you can receive it from me. Uh, I'm going to take some baby steps. Now that's not everyone's role. And I get that. And I think that can be, and I get it confounding, frustrating, angering to sisters and brothers who are like, you know what, man, they don't need a, they, they don't need a helping hand. They need a smack on the ass. <laughs> and I, I I get that too. It's just not, it's not always what I'm best at in it. When it comes to the cultural confusion of the Archie bunkers of the world, the thing I'm best at is like taking someone by the hand and maybe a little bit more forcefully than they want to picking them up out of their chair and mm -hmm. saying, come on, let's go outside. Let mm -hmm. me show you some stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cause your neighbors are black and you haven't been outside for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man, that's, I mean, I mean, and that's, I mean, that's the part, I mean, so this morning I was, you know, I was on social media and, um, I was watching, um, you've probably already seen it. I mean, the thing went viral. It was this uh, African-American woman. I think she was on C-SPAN, um, mm -hmm. and this, uh, you know, this white, uh, white male called in and he was just like, you know, Hey, I've grown up prejudiced. I've, I am prejudiced. And, I'm just curious to know, like, what can I do? And she, I mean, her answers were great. And yes. so much so that she followed up with the brother. Like, she actually went out to, I think he was in North Carolina, South Carolina. Mm -hmm. And she sat down with him and stuff, man. And I'm just like, you know, and I reposted that. And I was just like, man, this is great. I yeah. wish it worked out like this. Um, I <laughs> wish we could have more conversations like this. And I'm not knocking that. But I'm just, I mean, like, I don't know. Like where we're at right now, and maybe I'm just maybe you know I've and I take a Sabbath from my my news feed because sometimes it's just like okay, all right, that's yeah, that's enough. Um, but I'm curious, man, where do you where do you find hope? What's 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 what does hope look like for you? Uh, it's small spaces, uh, like like celebrating small victories, um, right. and that's it. <laughs> So uh, I'll say it like it's celebrating the small victories. And in order to do that, it means I have to fall particularly in love with small spaces and, and specific and, and specific places. So Eugene Peterson does a really great job of like pushing uh, pastorally minded church minded people to uh, hunker down and be somewhere. So he yeah. talks about church as a particular people in a particular place at a particular time. Mm -hmm. So it's contextual. Mm -hmm. uh, so when, so the idea uh, and um, actually, Ephraim in his book uh, "Killing Us Softly," Ephraim Smith killed. Oh uh, yeah, killing yeah. Us, great, great book. He does a great job of doing this. That um, that racial reconciliation as an idea is such a big, sweeping, and it's a beautiful notion. It's it's more than a beautiful notion. It's this like heavenly, kingdom oriented, like yes, yes, yes. 
But it's such a grand notion, specifically for folks who are way on the other side of that or like way down the line who who haven't approached it. Well, it can feel like the, the baby steps aren't enough unless those baby steps are being taken by someone I care about, someone I love, someone like I want to see. So if yeah. I can particularize like who specifically am I having a conversation with? Who's taking the baby step? So like it's like having your friend who's 75, 85, 110 pounds overweight, right? Mm. And, you know, brother gets outside and, you know, someone who sees them on that one day out there hoofing it and sweating and going real slow and stop and putting his hands on his knees can look at that dude and be like, man, you're a mess. But if I've watched him and I know that the first time he got out there, like mm. he barely made it around the block mm. and now he can make it around three times. Yeah. Well, I can celebrate him walking a quarter mile if I knew that he could, he could only walk a hundred steps to begin with. Right. Yeah. So like victory progress for me has it, it, and I have, and I'll say it really clearly, I have the privilege to celebrate these things because I live in privilege. Uh, I don't have that same sense of urgency that, that like my gay, lesbian, LGBTQ, uh, black, Hispanic sisters and brothers do where like it's, it is far more of an urgent feel. Like I don't have the felt need of some of my sisters and brothers. So I have the privilege of celebrating these small victories in the lives of the Archie Bunkers of the world. Wow. Man, that's... um. Man, that's that's a good word, man. I really do appreciate that because I think, I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, I've you know I've struggled with you know with with having hope. I mean, I I, I struggled with um, trying to figure you know these these elements out, right? And you know, and I think you know what keeps me honest, honestly, is is you know my wife. My wife, you know, she's mm-hmm. white, racially white, uh, you know, ethnically, she's German and Scottish, and so, um, you know, it's like I love her. I've known her for eighteen years. It's like, well, okay, let me. And, you know, and then as a man, I know as a man, I don't have all the stuff on feminism figured out. Somebody just called me out a couple weeks ago and was just like, bruh, I love you. And I just got to let you know, you you were mansplaining. Did you even realize that? I'm like, oh, dang. I'm man. Okay. And so, like you Mm -hmm. said, I love that analogy. You seeing the brother uh, or sister, you know, out there doing it and you see that glimpse. And I think. I'm trying to see more of the process and the journey, man. And mm-hmm. I think um, that's the, you know, the bigger part of that, man. What? Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying it's not sometimes too slow. It is sometimes too slow. It's just, you know, again, the the, the privilege of being privileged. That's as fast as some people are going to go. Yeah. 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 I mean, and so how have you, I mean, just with your own congregation and, 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 you know, your church community and stuff, how have you guys in, you know, engaged with, particularly, you know, with all the, you know, black bodies being killed by police and, yeah. um, you know, it just kind of keeps coming up. Now you got the Waffle House, you know, issue, you know, you know, nothing yeah. from the president, of course. Uh, mm-hmm. I brought that up in my media class, uh, yesterday and we had a, I have a couple of Muslims in that, uh, class and I was like, you know, what if they had gone in? Like I asked the class and I, and I know them. And so we have a relationship. And so I was able to kind of just use yeah. them as an example. It was a great conversation about, mm-hmm. and you know, all the class was just like, man, we, you know, we'd be at DEF CON 5, man. You know, we'd yeah. be wanting to bomb yes, somebody. So yeah. how have you guys, you know, engaged with that? Cause this is, this is fascinating. I, I'm, I'm loving this conversation. So, uh, I'll, not well, not great. I mean, we're not killing it. We're not doing real, <laughs> you know, um, and some of that has to do with like why why do people show up to Sunday service, right? So if you are a member of, so I, I'm part of the Evangelical Covenant Church, 
uh, and we meet and do life and family together with a vineyard church. Nice. And neither neither the ECC uh, and Dominique is playing a major role in shifting this in the ECC. Neither the ECC nor the vineyard have always have been the vineyard a little bit more so have been like like highly socially conscious. Yeah. Like so, it is more of a hey, we pay attention to this two or three times a year kind of a thing. Yeah. So we've got you know there's been a little bit of shock. At times, and we've lost some people. When you know, we did a whole series on, uh, we did a series. We actually had Mike McBride in for the series. Um, well, you know, we talked about race. We talked about interracial relationships. We talked about immigration. Uh, we talked about local poverty and homelessness. We talked about housing as a spiritual issue. We did this like you know month and a half of uh, of uh, Sunday conversations. And for a lot of folks, and you'll resonate with me when I say this, a lot of folks are like, we don't like that we're being so political. Right. And so, and so we lost, so we lost folks. So we didn't do it real well. So we're, and we haven't, we haven't uh, balanced this. Is that, that's, not what I, that's not the word I'm looking for, but, um, okay. but like we haven't figured out how to, how to do both things, like to move slowly enough to keep people with us. Cause that's why they're showing up, right? Like they're showing up cause they want to be somewhere, feel like they belong and they're cared for. Yeah. We want to meet folks there, and we're doing that okay. We also want to challenge folks to not live the way they are living because the world around them needs them to change. But we don't want to push so hard on challenge that we lose the people we're trying to move. So we have not done it well. So we have like the series, and it went okay. We lost some people. We got too quiet for a while and lost some battles to silence. Mm. We're just we're trying, uh, and that's all we're doing. Uh, but we're not killing it. Hmm. Man, I appreciate you being honest, man. I mean, I think um, that's all there is. <laughs> well, no, and, and, no, absolutely, that's man. All there is, absolutely, man. and I think you know because I know our church is so the church I go to. You know, it's it's well, it's not part of the covenant, but it's it's kind of an own denomination and its own not a denomination, but its own independent church. And um, you know, we're revising the uh, the vision plan and all that. And my wife sits on the. Um, the elder board and you know there was you know she like had to be like yo i mean we talk about all this racial e equity and equality mm -hmm. and like there was nothing of that in the um none of that in the dang statement and she was just like i just gotta call this out and so we've been trying to figure it out we've been trying yeah. to like you know and i don't mm -hmm. you know it's like we look around and i mean there's a lot of older hippies like from the 60s and 70s mm -hmm. and, um which is great i mean i love learning from older folks who you know 20 30 40 years older than me and i mean that's awesome yes. Yeah. How are we engaging with the current? How are we, our neighborhoods gentrified a lot. If you know anything about LaSalle, LaSalle Street Church was mm -hmm. in the corridor of, yep. you know, the uh, Cabrini Green. and But, you know, that's gone. That's all gone, man. In fact, right across the street from us, we have a multi-level, you know, 16, 20-story, you know, multi-million dollar condos going in. So we're trying to figure that out right now, brother. We're trying to figure yeah. that out, man. Yeah, man. And it's worth the effort. I mean, that's the thing is like, I think well, it's what I've got. I don't know if that's the thing, but it's what I've got. Is like I'm Tell just it. I'm going to keep trying. Tell it. Tell it. I just that's all I've got. I'm going to keep trying, and I and not quit because yeah. I'm going to like I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to drop the ball. Like I'm not. I'm there are things I'm just not good at. There, there are ways I just I'm incomplete as a person, and I lose when I quit. Okay. And I just can't. Like I just I don't have. I what else am I going to do? This right. is a, it's, it's a cultural moment where, you know, you, the disciples look to Jesus and he said, you're going to go too. And they're like, where else are we going to go? 
Like we've already given so damn much of our lives up for this thing. And we don't know if we believe this all the way or not. Like, are you the Messiah? Are you who are like, are all these people right for cutting out on this thing? Cause it feels like it. And, and like all of our friends just left, but we've just put in like at that point, like two years into this thing, like we quit our jobs. (laughs) We've been falling around the desert. Our, our reputations are trashed now because of all the stuff and like, where the hell are we going to go? So I think part of that moment for the disciples is like, Hey, we believe in you. So where else are we going to go? But part of it is the moment I think a lot of us are in right now with these cultural issues and how they play out spiritually is like, what, what, what the hell, where am I going to go? Like, what am I going to do? I'm like, not do church. Am I going to not do religion? Am I going to yeah. like decide I'm not a Christian because it's hard to say that anymore. Like, honestly, like, what the hell am I going to do? Like, I can't actually quit because there's, it's just the void on the other side yeah. and I, the void more so than I fear failure. Yes. So, I mean, so I, so I've asked this a lot of different guests. I mean, what do you see as the future moving forward? Let me give you some context on this. And so, yeah. um, I love, this is no doubt, no, should come to no surprise. People who listen to the show. I love the American Academy of Religion, AAR. It's been a really mm-hmm. oasis, solid oasis for me. Um, it's really helped develop me just as a scholar, as a thinker. Uh, I love the people we connect with. And so after the election in 2016, uh, you know, our our conference is always the the weekend or the week right before Thanksgiving. And so, um, you know, we went in and, you know, there were all these great speakers, Cornell West, uh, um, mm. uh, uh, the new Jim Crow. What's up? Michelle Alexander and uh, Gosh, uh, Eddie Gloud. I mean, so I mean, there's these huge thinkers that I'm like, OK give me an answer. Like, Oh, where do we go from here? And it was just, Mm -hmm. and it was fascinating because they sat and they were like, we don't know. In fact, in fact, Ellie Glau was even like, maybe it's because we've been so busy chasing tenure, trying to publish another book, trying to, Mm -hmm. you know, go get that grant that we've overlooked some things. And really this, this, this may just be on us as academics, as people who Mm -hmm. are supposed to hold up some kind of knowledge and some kind of, you know, in the public sphere. Um, And it was just interesting. And so, that's I have been that's been with me that I'm I'm looking around and I see folks doing different things and mm-hmm. I don't necessarily I don't. see and maybe you maybe you got it maybe you got it so that's why I'm going to ask you but I haven't seen anything that's like that's the next level okay that's the next engagement of progress forward or maybe and maybe I'm uh, you know maybe I can say maybe I'm just not necessarily looking but it just it's almost like we're we're still reinventing the wheel but hmm. there's more to, to the story. I mean, Michelle Alexander even said it in that same conference. She's like, when hmm. I wrote the book, I really felt like I was, you know, putting something that, but she said, now that I've been at this for so long, she said, it's just the, the prison industrial complex. She said, we have to come up with a more complex and comprehensive way of looking at this thing. Yes. Rather than just saying, okay, I'm going to take, you know, juvenile hall or whatever. I don't know if that yeah. makes sense, brother. I'm sorry. I'm talking well, too much, man. No. So, and, and unfortunately this would be one of those answers. It's like, it's like an answer, non-answer, but, um, talking to a dear friend uh, recently who, uh, similar kind of f- feeling, uh, <clears throat> she's trying to teach her kids about these things and just feeling like, where do I start? And, and what she said was, uh, because of the, 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 some of the systems she worked in the context of, she said, I just, I feel powerless. And it hit me. I'm like, well, maybe we're supposed to for a minute. Like uh, maybe, yeah. maybe that's part of the thing. Like yeah. maybe that's part of the process of redemption for mainline Christianity in America, for evangelicalism in America. Maybe feeling powerless and weak and ineffectual is a necessary part of the process. So maybe we don't have answers because 
we're in the fog that we're supposed to be in. Like maybe, maybe we're actually lost because we're supposed to be because one, it's not our turn. Yeah, it's not your turn to come up with an answer. You're so used to being able to go out there, make a decision, have an answer. Here's a problem. Here's a solution. And most of the time, it's like we've got a budget for it. We can fund it. We can take care of it. Uh, well, you don't have enough money for this, and you don't have enough manpower for this. You don't have enough woman. You don't have wisdom for this. So you you don't have an answer for this. So and maybe part of the issue is that you always feel like you have a damn answer, and <laughs> and, and 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 all your answers have, you know, all, all your fixes now have compromised the, the vessel. Uh, and so that that's one aspect is like, maybe it's time to feel powerless for a lot of us and lost yeah. so that a, we would pay attention to the divine. Like what, what is God actually doing? Like what a first and foremost, because like, I think we forget to do that because, because we want to fix because we want to resolve. Yeah. Yeah, we. I tend to move without, uh, without ceremony, without, uh, without paying attention. Again, it's the season I'm in. Coming all the way back to the beginning of the, of the podcast here. What, what if instead I I bore witness first? Mm. Okay. Yeah. And didn't have an answer, which means then I have to become dependent upon the work of grace in the world, and then through me, and then I get to participate in a work of God as opposed to kickstart the work of God or prescribe the work of God or pretend like I can shape the mm. work of God. Maybe, maybe this is the time where we get to stop. And this is where we've been like more so when it comes to like, what does LGBTQ membership leadership participation look like in, in and among us as a, do we have to do church separately? Do you have to be down the street with the, the church that is gay affirming and then down the, and, and over here, the church that isn't, is that really the only solution? Cause it feels like it right now. Mm-hmm. So if you're, so if you're, if you're an open and affirming church, you don't know how to take the people who aren't open affirming with you. And if you're, if you're not an open affirming church, you don't know how to love and participate and be family with folks who not only are, uh, you know, gay, lesbian, LGBTQ folks, but like, but don't buy the the idea that like you know being gay is a sin and being like so you know we, we don't know how to do this together. Well, maybe you're not supposed to know how right now. Maybe there is no way to cognitively put these pieces together. Maybe we're supposed to stop and pay attention and wait for the actual work of the divine because isn't that isn't that where it's supposed to happen? Is when you got Pharaoh's army behind you and the water in front of you, and there literally is nowhere to go that does not say death. Mm. Wow. And isn't that where God's supposed to show up? And we wow. haven't needed God to show up for the longest time as evangelical <laughs> Americans or mainline Christians. We haven't needed God. We've been doing church without God for a long time. Well, we sure as shit need God now. And so <laughs> maybe we're supposed to feel lost. Maybe we're supposed to feel stuck. Maybe we're supposed to feel uh, you know, confused because maybe we're supposed to stop and wait for the movement of the divine before we move again. Wow. Wow, man. That's, uh, yeah, that's interesting, man. Um, well, let me ask you this. I know I want to be conscious of our time, man, but let me ask you this. Where are you uh, sticking it out with, uh, evangelicals, evangelicalism? Yeah. Where am I going to go? <laughs> <laughs> it's family, right? It's like, this is, this, this is family. Uh, and like anybody's family, uh, you know, like any family, we've got our fair share of drunk uncles and I'm one of them half the time. Okay. Uh, that doesn't mean he's not my uncle. He's still my uncle. 
Uh, he's drunk a lot, uh, but he's still my uncle. Okay. And I quit on him. You know, like I said to some folks the other night, like sometimes you show up and the stone is rolled away. And, and sometimes you show up and the stone is still there, uh, but there's a big rod and a place to stand. Uh, and you got it. And it's you that gets to move it. Sometimes you're, you are what God is doing in that place. So I'm kind of hoping that I'm part of what God is doing in evangelicalism, uh, in my context in, in, uh, the East San Francisco Bay area. Okay, man. Well, that's a good word, man. Cause you know, I mean, I know a lot of us is particularly as ethnic minorities, you know, we've kind of just, you know, like, I right, we're done. We're done with the evangelicalism, whatever, man. But that's good. I know a good friend of mine, J.R. Forresteros, who I've had on the show a couple of times already, you know, he's talked about how he's like, I think as whites, we don't have the privilege or luxury of leaving evangelicalism. And he's like, I, you know, he said, I'm sticking it out. He said, you know, he said something very similar to what you just uh, yeah. said as well and stuff, man. And so, yeah, man. man, that's a trip, brother. Um, So what's next, man? What's uh, what's on the horizons for you? Um, You know, where uh, where where, where are you going, man? What's 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 up? Uh, the next major thing is is putting together this book um, and getting this thing to the publisher so they can start talking it up to people. Uh, that's the next major thing. I'll be traveling and speaking off and on through the rest of the spring and into the summer. Uh, and I'm assuming we'll have a number of uh, dates in the fall as well. It'll be more centered around uh, around the prayer book. Yeah. I'm working on uh, next few episodes of uh, the podcast I had you on. Yes. Uh, that's another significant part of, uh, of life and work over here. Um, and I, I have a few other irons in the fire, but those are the two I, I, I know enough about to say something. Yeah, no. What the- I'm working on the podcast and i am got a book and I'm – Doing traveling, speaking, teaching stuff. That's what's up, man. And, what, and what's the name of your podcast, man? Plug, plug away, man. Yeah, it's called At Sea with Justin McRoberts. That's what's up, man. That is what's up. Yeah, and like I, for those of you out there, I'll uh, I'll post a link in the show notes as well. Um, uh, actually, your podcast I used is uh, kind of a template as I was getting my <laughs> stuff ready last uh, summer, oh. and um, and so yeah, I just wanted to share that with you. And it was really good editing and recording, Honor. and I was like, oh man. Um, I need to, I need to ride, raise my game up, man. Shoot. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, man, I'll put that one in the show notes and, you know, get some folks to get out of there and, 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 and all that, man. How long you been doing your podcast? Uh, this is season three. So we're going on, uh, kind of coming up on the end of year two. That's what's up, man. Yeah. yeah that's, that's, that is good stuff right there, man. Um, and, uh, where can people contact you, man? What's, uh, what's a good place? I'm kind of everywhere. So, you know, Facebook, Twitter, um, Snapchat, Instagram, you can either search uh, Justin McRoberts, just my name, uh, or Mick What's His Face, which is usually the handle if it's not, uh, <laughs> if it's not Justin McRoberts, it's Mick What's His Face. Oh my gosh. That's, uh, uh that's, that's funny, right. man. That's funny, man. <laughs> um, uh, who's your pick in the uh, NBA finals? Uh, gosh, you know, I, I, uh, I'm from Oakland, so I want my Warriors. I don't believe it, but I want it. Okay. All right. Well, they pulled it out, though, man. This will say, yeah. All right, cool. Brother Justin, thank you so much for oh coming on the show. This was great. I appreciate it, dude. Thank you for making time. We uh, we covered a lot of ground. This is really good stuff, man. <laughs> we did. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. You got it.